Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 14. Crossing the Rubicon. Now, not only do we create this humble podcast, but uh, we also listen to them too, don't we? We do, yeah. We first listened to, do you remember uh, This American Life serial? Oh, that was a long time long ago. Long time ago, yeah. yeah. Adnan and Saeed. Saeed yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. And that podcast sort of put podcasts on the map in a way, didn't it? Yeah, uh, that was very popular, wasn't it? Very popular uh, business. Everybody would say, oh, have you listened to Serial yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really put podcasts as a format on the map. And I like also listening to Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. You do. And John Ronson on. Yeah. And, uh, of course, No Such Thing as a Fish. Yes, of course. And lately, I've been catching up with Greg Jenner's oh, yeah. brilliant You're Dead to Me. Yeah, We like Greg Jenner. And of course, he was the historian behind the Horrible Histories. He was indeed. And uh, he's written a bunch of books and uh, he's a top historian and has a brilliant podcast. And I was listening to that very podcast. Yeah. Um, And I was listening to the one about Julius Caesar. I think it was the rise of Julius Caesar. Right. And very interesting it was too. Was it? And I learned while listening to that, that when Julius Caesar decided that he wanted to become the emperor, Mm. he formed an army. Yeah. And he had to go into proper Italy. Invade. Invade it, or yeah, take his army over, and therefore it was a declaration of war. Right. And the border was a river, and the river was called the Rubicon. And so that is where we get the idiom crossing the Rubicon. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, neither did I. So I thought that was really very interesting. Oh, that is interesting. And then from there, of course, he won effectively the Civil War and he became the dictator for life, old Julius Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that got me thinking about other idioms of where they come from. And I... I I can't think of Julius Caesar without thinking of Kenneth Williams saying... Infamy! Infamy! They've all got it in for me! Kenneth Williams, probably the, I would say, the greatest... um, Julius Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Laurence Olivier. (laughs) Whatever. Get Ken. Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) (laughs) Kenneth Williams. Kenneth Williams, now you're talking. So this got me thinking about other idioms and phrases. And do you remember how we were having a bit of a sing-song with some friends and we were singing Spandau Ballet's Gold? Yes. Oh, yes. And I didn't know the words were, these are my salad days. These are my salad days. Yeah, and I, I didn't really, I thought that just sounded a bit weird. I'd never really heard of that phrase. Yeah, so I thought, well, I'd look it up. Ah. I logged on to a very interesting site called worldwidewords.org. Okay. And it's a very interesting site and it's all about idioms and their origins. Yeah. And the expression salad days first appeared, it's a Shakespearean quote from Antony and Cleopatra. Okay. 1606 right. was when he wrote that. Oh, so it's from Shakespeare. Shakespeare it's a Shakespeare thing, yeah. Phrase. It's in the speech at the end of Act One in which Cleopatra is regretting her youthful dalliances with Julius Caesar. And she says, quote, My salad days when I was green in judgment. So you know when we say someone is green, they're, they're inexperienced. Yeah. yeah, that's thought to refer to the beginnings right. of a plant, yeah. a little sapling or something uh, like okay. that. So that's why we say he's a bit green. Yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. 
Spandau Ballet are becoming um, quite the regulars on When One Thing Leads to Another, aren't they? They're the new Orson Welles <laughs> of Series 1, aren't they, of, of, of Series 2? All, all roads lead to Spandau Ballet. Yeah, we discovered the origins of their name, the Spandau Ballet, and we also found out how Gary Kemp went to stage school with Phil Daniels, Phil Daniels. off of Quadrophenia. That's right. But I had a little dig into Tony Hadley, the lead singer, of course, or should I say former lead singer, because he announced in 2017 that he would not sing with the band again oh um, yeah this followed that you know there was the ongoing spat and in, in 1999 there was the court case where he and the saxophone player Steve Norman and the drummer John Keeble they attempted to force Gary Kemp to pay them backdated oh, royalties yes. yeah I remember yeah because you know he that. wrote he wrote the songs Gary Kemp did, Gary yeah. Kemp wrote the songs but obviously they felt that they were part of the creative process maybe but he did technically write the songs but they didn't sign the problem was they didn't sign any contract because supposedly there was a verbal agreement. They were only young lads. Um, you oh, know, I see, they when they mates. formed. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but the judge actually found in favour of Gary Kemp. Ah, and, okay. Yeah, and the three complainants had to stump up a few hundred thousand pounds worth of legal fees, which was... Oh, dear. Yeah, a a bit, total backfire. bit orcs, yeah. yeah. Um, the band did bury the hatchet and reform for a tour in 2009, um, yeah. but it seems... Hadley is finally done with them and um, he said in an interview with The Mirror, yeah. you could offer me all the tea in China and I wouldn't get back with them. Oh. So, yeah, there's bad blood there, isn't there? Oh, the sounds, sounds it. like it. That's the end of that. Yeah. But did you know that in 2006, Tony Hadley became a co-owner of the Red Rat Craft Brewery? Oh. Yeah, which produced Hadley's Golden Ale and Hadley's Crazy Dog Stout. Crazy Dog have you Stout? Ever, ever tried that? I never have, but I'm very intrigued to try it. Well, unfortunately, the business closed in 2013, oh. so it's unlikely that you're going to get a chance. But after that, Tony Hadley became associated with the Great Yorkshire Brewery, All right. which issued a lager called... Gold! <laughs> and this led me to discover that there have been a number of collaborations between bands and oh, breweries. Yes. Okay. Iron Maiden have a range yes. of beers. Did you? Yeah, you knew that. I think I knew that. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. they collaborated with Robinson's Brewery in Stockport. Okay. Um, one of their beers is called Trooper. After okay. one of their songs, apparently, which has right. won. It's won a few beer-based awards. Oh, well, well done, Iron Maiden. Yes. Um, New Order, Idols, Elbow, The Darkness and Queen oh, as wow. well. Okay. Yeah, they've all put their names to beers. But my favourite example is Motorhead's Beer. Okay. Which, as I'm sure you can imagine, has a great name. It's called Bastard's Lager. <laughs> and it's dedicated to, quote, beer drinkers and hell raisers. Love it. Well, obviously, I'm glad you've mentioned beer. It's one of my favourite subjects. It is one of your favourite things. It is, absolutely. one of my. Fa it's definitely my top one things of all time. Mm. Did you know, I didn't know this, the, na the, the word beer comes from a Slavic word, from the verb to drink. Well, I mean, Latin, it, in Italian, it's beer, it's to drink. Oh, you really yeah. took all the wind out of my yeah, sails. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, carry on. The earliest evidence of brewing beer 
dates all the way back to somewhere between three and a half thousand and three thousand BC. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I can believe that I, human race have been looking for ways to get out <laughs> of their tiny minds for a long time. Never been big fans of sobriety, have no. us humans? Yeah, there's apparently there's evidence in the form of chemical residues in ancient Iran. Iran, no less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you guess which country is the biggest consumer of beer per person? Oh, I, I, I'd guess Germany. Yeah, Germany's actually third. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Poland is is second. Okay. Yeah, the biggest beer drinkers are the are the Czechs, oh, okay. Czech Republic. Yeah. Um, a hundred and thirty-seven liters of beer per capita per year. Right. Yeah, and actually, beer is the third most consumed beverage in the world after water and tea. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, they, yeah, even in, in medieval times, they used to drink beer, didn't they? Because the water was so The water was so terrible. to they, drink. Yeah. yeah. God, imagine if water had just been really deliciously lovely back in those days. Maybe we, we would never have had beer. And then I would just have total misery in my life. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> During my trawling through beer-based facts, mm. um, I've discovered that, I'm going to have terrible trouble pronouncing this, bear with me, senosilicophobia is the term for the irrational fear of an empty glass. Oh, so that's what you have. Is that just not synonymous with alcoholism? Well, apparently it refers to any drink. So, okay. So, you, so oh. it's not necessarily alcoholism. But um, uh, sufferers tend to feel irrationally agitated when there is an empty glass around. Right. And I sort of have that similar sort of feelings when the person whose turn it is to buy the round mm. isn't exactly forthcoming. Mm. Know what I mean? Mm. So I've been Googling unusual fears. Oh, have you? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which for some reason took me to an article written on an American drug and alcohol rehab centre's website, <laughs> which seemed a bit random. But there was a list published there, okay. um, which made for some interesting reading. Yeah. Top of the list of unusual phobias. Yeah, go on. Okay, was arachibutyrophobia. Okay. Right, which supposedly is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> I mean, what? I was thinking that must be absolute tosh right. and made up. But I, I dug a little deeper and sure enough, such a fear does exist. Wow. Mm. And nomophobia is the fear of being without your mobile phone, which I can imagine is likely oh, becoming yeah. increasingly common. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And OK, you're going to have to give me a minute for this, right? Hippopotamonstros equipped Cool. Well done is a fear of long words. I mean, why would you make it a long word? It, that sounds made up as well, doesn't it? Yeah, ironically, claims the article, it's also the longest word in the dictionary. But delving deeper, that claim seems to be bollocks. Right. Yeah, it's a stunt word. Right, It doesn't yeah. appear in any meaningful dictionary. Oh, okay. I was also particularly interested to learn that you... Oh, yeah. ...have svexophobia. Oh, okay. Uh, that Well, that must be a fear of wasps. It is indeed. Ah. As has Robson Green off of <laughs> Robson and Jerome. See, I'm in good company there. Yeah. And as we found out way back in series one, yeah. I have lepidopterophobia. Do you remember what that is? Oh, yeah. Well, you'll your, know what that is, Yeah, it's you? your fear of uh, butterflies and moths. Yeah, which I found out is also the phobia of the actress Nicole Kidman. 
Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah, solidarity, sister. Yeah, right on. Um, I also delved into then other notable people with phobias. Oh, yeah, go on. And discovered that, apparently, alleurophobia, which is a fear of cats, was suffered by Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan and Adolf bloody Hitler. You're joking. I've always said... Never trust a person that doesn't like cats. Oh, well, there you go. That What better proof? Yeah. I also read, although this, again, sounds suspiciously like an urban myth, mm-hmm. but according to online psychology degree <laughs> dot info, Walt Disney, the oh, yeah. creator of Mickey Mouse, had musophobia, which is... Oh, a fear of mice. Yeah. Sounds dodgy. Specious. Is that a word? That's just popped into my head. I'm going to Google it. Specious. Superficially plausible, but actually wrong. Oh! Specious, to say the least. Very good. Thank you. Right, that's me done. What have you been looking at? Oh, well, I'll tell you what I've been looking at. I have been looking at, from earlier finding out about Motorhead's fabulous Bastards Lager, I thought it was worth a little look into Motorhead, and more specifically, really, Lemmy. Okay. The lead singer and... uh, bassist mm-hmm. he wasn't originally going to be the bassist oh. oh you know he started off in hawkwind yes I do. he was actually booted out in, out of hawkwind because he got caught w- with possession on the um, canadian border with the u.s apparently oh, right. yeah 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 but when he joined hawkwind he he actually played regular six string guitar yeah. but you know it's one of these legendary tales where mm. they were about to go on and the the bass player didn't turn up or something mm. And they sort of thrust the bass into his hand and say, can you play bass? So that's why his style of bass playing is he, he, he doesn't, you know, he no. doesn't play the single string thing. No. He's sort of, he's almost yeah. strumming. Yeah. So that derives from oh. his um, earlier playing of a yeah. six string guitar, oh. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. He formed Motorhead. Motorhead was the name of the last song that he wrote for Hawkwind. Oh. Um, but he, rather amusingly, referring back to the lager, he actually wanted to call the band The Bastards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his manager yeah. talked him out of it because he said, you're, you're not going to get on top of the pops no. with that name, mate. No, you're not going to get on the radio either. Yeah, exactly. And you need to have the radio yeah. on your side. Yeah. You need to be played. Yeah. So he relented and said, OK, we'll be called Motorhead. Yeah. Um, and do you know how he got his nickname Lemmy? Oh, Lemmy. No, I don't. No, it never occurred to me before. Lemming? Anything to do with lemmings? <laughs> no. He always claimed he didn't know the origin. But some old school friends of his, supposedly, have said it originated from when he was at school, he would go up to them and say, let me a fiver until Friday. Oh, that's great. Or or let me a quid, rather. Let me a quid. Because he used to love playing slot machines. Right. Um, And his love of slot machines and video games, etc., stayed with him throughout his whole life. And even when he was on his last legs, and he was was more or less bed-bound, the manager of his favourite bar and grill, because yeah. he, he lived in, uh, I think it was Hollywood. Right. They actually wheeled round his favourite video game oh, so he, he wouldn't play. be bored while, oh. while, he was, uh, while, he was, while he was on his last legs. Oh. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I found out that Lemmy mm. also was Jimi Hendrix's roadie for oh. eight months oh, right. in, the, in the late 60s. And this was because uh, Lemmy actually flat shared with Noel Redding, who was oh, Jimmy's bassist, bassist player yeah. for the Jimi Hendrix experience. Oh, right. 
Yeah, so he was their roadie for, for eight months. And there's this great quote that uh, Lemmy, when he's reminiscing about those times, he says, quote, Jimmy taught me how to find drugs in the most unlikely places because that was part of my job for him. Oh. <laughs> so not only retune the guitar, can you score yeah. some... Uh, yeah. some uh, acid or whatever yeah and he goes on to say that's how i learned to function on five hits of acid five <laughs> hits of acid <laughs> and of course lemmy is a uh, well known for drinking pretty heavily yeah when i was at university i did some work experience on that there was a tv show back in the mid late 90s mm. don't forget your toothbrush oh, with yeah, old chris evans, chris evans. Yeah. yeah and i worked on that as a little as a stand in yeah. and i remember lemmy was the guest one week and I remember talking to the runner and she was saying that by the time of the afternoon rehearsal she was going to have to go out to get another bottle of Jack Daniels wow. because he'd got through the first one. Wow. So uh, he liked to drink poos and he liked to take his drugs and there's this great quote that supposedly he said after he underwent major heart surgery in 2013 mm. he said quote i can't say i was really that surprised when the doctor told me i needed a defibrillator inserted into my chest when you've lived the life that i have you should always expect something like that to crop up mm. i was not a good boy i've had way too much fun Aww. i know how much you're going to love this but i'm going to take us back to wasps Ugh. Those little pricks. Yeah, you're not a big fan at all, are you? No. Do you remember the day when you um, grabbed my sister and used her as a human shield when, um, hey, when a load of wasps came up I, us? I, I've listened, I've told her she needs to speak to my solicitor about that. You're never going to live that down, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's each man for himself when wasps are involved, as far as I'm concerned. Did you know that only 1% of the species have yellow and black stripes? Oh. Only 1%. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are a skin crawling 9,000 different species oh. of wasps, of which only nine are the ones that we're familiar with seeing. The rest of them are teeny tiny. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Oh. It's crazy, isn't it, to think that there are really Ooh. teeny tiny wasps flying around, going in your ears and in your nosey and... Um, yeah, in fact, the smallest recorded insect in the world oh, is a wasp. Is a wasp. Yeah. Well, how about that? Well, that must be really tiny. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the most interesting thing I would say about wasps is the legend that wasps inspired the invention of paper. What? Yeah, the story goes that around 2,000 years ago, <sighs> yeah. a Chinese eunuch called <laughs> Kai Lung. I wonder what Kai Lung would be thinking. Would, is, can we not mention me, the, you know, just call me a man rather. Why do I have to be a eunuch? Yeah. Well, anyway, he um, watched, well, he had nothing better to do. He watched a wasp skillfully building a paper nest in his garden, oh. which it created from fine slithers of chewed up wood it had collected in its mouth. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Kai Lung was inspired to experiment with wood mulches and eventually created paper or a paper of sorts oh okay well listen i will try and think of the irony next time i roll up a newspaper and batter the shit out of one of them thank you for listening to when one thing leads to another a podcast produced and presented by us helen and bill rich if you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, 
or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm -hmm.